everybody welcome back to another episode of mavericks and misfits if you're tuning in for the very first time we're glad that you have found the mavericks and misfits podcast my name's jeff lyle been a um, leader in the kingdom from I don't know, 1996 is when I started vocational ministry. I don't know that I started leading then. I started trying, but I've been blessed to be able to serve in local church ministry, um, Christian education, and media ministry for quite a while. And uh, my favorite thing right now um, in this particular season is having uh, streamlined what God's allowed me to do over the years into just basically three, maybe four primary streams of communication, one of which is the one you're listening to, Mavericks and Misfits. The other is my uh, wonderful congregation. They're not mine, but you know what I mean. Um, At Antioch Outpost, we are a local church in Bethlehem, Georgia. Uh, We are a prayer-centered community, and um, we are also a Bible-based learning community, and we are working diligently on becoming a missional community. Uh, We focus on Home post. We have, I think, eighteen home posts. That's what we call our our home groups or our house churches, and um, we just love what the Lord is doing. I'm telling you, our Tuesday night prayer meetings. You know, we just felt led of the Lord to open our doors at Antioch Outpost at 4 p.m. on Tuesdays and pray until about eight o'clock. And it's not just sitting in a room whispering prayers to God, and it's not praying for. Aunt Thelma's gout, or, you know, or God bless the missionaries. We're much more focused. Um, it's an atmosphere of worship, uh, prophetic uh, releases. Um, we do presence ministry, which is just some opportunity for some of our prophetic team to speak into the lives of people who um, want more personal ministry. And so we do that on Tuesday nights. And um, then ultimately we wrap up taking communion. And it's just really a time to be in the presence of God to hear from the Lord through one another. So it's not a pulpit. We don't have live worship. There's no teaching forum on Tuesdays. It's just a great time to come together. So we go from 4 to 8 p.m. every Tuesdays. Then we um, meet for prayer Sunday mornings at 9 in the sanctuary. And we just pray through until the beginning of the service. We don't break. We just let our prayer meeting on Sunday mornings for an hour and a half flow directly into our service. And so Man, it's just so good to be a part of a local assembly. And some some people, Christians, you've gotten too sophisticated or maybe too hurt, and you're not part of a local body. I just encourage you, you need to be reconnected to the local body. Everybody in church that's been there longer than a year has been hurt at some point or disappointed. And I love you, but just get over it and start working towards uh, healing and healthy. We need each other. And so get part of a local church. I also get the privilege of working at Caneo Ministry Training Center in Dawsonville, Georgia. And I teach the fourth-year students up there. It's an incredible equipping, training, and theological um, institution where we offer any students the ability to learn at the level they want to learn at. Um, so we've got people that audit classes. They don't do the homework or the assignments, but they want to hear the teachings. We've got some that are diploma students. And so they have to do the classes and the coursework and they get a diploma at the end of each year. And then we've got a four year degree program where you have a lot more content you have to go through. Um, and it's a little bit of a deeper dive. And, uh, you know, I think right now, probably around 1200 students, if we count on demand, um, somewhere around 35, 40 campuses across the uh, continental U.S. And um, we're just grateful for it. We get to serve with uh, Dr. Karen Smith, who's the finest teacher that I've ever sat under. Um, some of the faculty includes Dr. Roberts Lairdon, who wrote God's Generals, uh, Dr. Philip Fields, myself, and then we have some adjunct professors. Jake Kale teaches a class 
on deliverance and um, it's just a great place. And so if you're wanting to further your Christian education, check out KaneoMTC.com. And then of course, finally, um, there's Transforming Truth. That's the media ministry that God organically started back in my Baptist days um, in 2007. I was in a closet charismatic pastoring an independent fun- fundamental Baptist church. That's a story in and all of its own. If you ever want to read about it, I write about extensively in my book called Figuring It Out As I Go. You ought to get a copy of that book and get it off of Amazon, Figuring It Out As I Go. Or you can buy a copy off of transformingtruth.org. But um, I look back on it and I have to chuckle. I'm like, for about nine years, I was a in the closet, charismatic, praying in tongues and working through my understanding and experience with the gifts of the Holy Spirit while pastoring a, a Baptist church that I had um, been baptized in. I had been trained for ministry, ordained, got married, and then I ended up pastoring it and God sovereignly baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And I began speaking in tongues, having never been around tongues in my life. Um, and so from those days, we formed Transforming Truth, which is primarily back then a Bible teaching ministry. Now it's media missions, Bible teaching still centered. We do television here in the state of Georgia and uh, recently picked up another station out in, um, good Lord, where was it? Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado area. And uh, just teaching the word of God. You know, I don't have 50 gifts. I'm not that cool. I'm not that sophisticated. I love the word of God. God's given me the ability to talk. And so I like to talk about him. He's worthy, but you're listening to Mavericks and Misfits. And I just wanted to make some of you new listeners aware of uh, the extensive work that God's doing. And, um, you know, Mavericks and Misfits is a part of it. So I'm going to get vulnerable with you today. This is, um, probably a first for me, at least on the podcast. Um, the Bible commands us to pursue spiritual gifts to eagerly desire them, and to pursue them, and especially that you may prophesy. That's your Bible. If, if you've never made a consistent study of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, I recommend that you do that. Read it over and over again for a month. Read all three chapters every day for a month. See what the Bible says about your responsibility concerning spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But in God's infinite wisdom, he places the gift of prophecy at the top of the list that he wants Christians to pursue. And so I remember reading that 20 something years ago and thinking, I don't even know what prophecy is. I'm a good Baptist boy and uh, prophecy I thought was done, you know, this probably would have been in the late 1990s, uh, which is actually, you know, 25 years ago plus. Um, But I realized my Bible commands it. I'm going to do it. So there became um, a pursuit for me and I'm still in it to pursue greater levels of not only prophetic wisdom, but the actual gift of prophecy and uh, the first Corinthians 12, 13, 14 will give you an understanding about biblical prophecy. Um, and so we pursue that, but prophecy is not a tightly defined gift or experience. There are multiple ways to use all of the gifts. Paul teaches that in first Corinthians 12. Um, and the same gift can be presented in different ways by different people. God loves diversity. He's, the creator has not stopped being creative. And um, when, when we think about the gift of prophecy, um, we think about hearing from God and then giving verbal expression to what we have heard from God or seen from God. And rather than dive deep into a long, broken out teaching on it, I want to share with you a prophetic, um, I want to call it an inner vision I lack vocabulary to describe it because most of the stuff I get prophetically from the Lord is simply verbal. 
I hear the Lord, um, not audibly. Uh, I've never heard an audible voice of God. I'm open to that, but I never have. Uh, but I, I've heard from the Lord in such ways that I don't need it to be audible. I'm certain it was the Lord. And in this particular thing I want to share with you today, uh, this was a prophetic word that I, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't really a word the word came after, but it was a snapshot. It's probably the best way to say it because I was awake. I was alert. I was actually driving to church with Amy sitting next to me uh, a couple of Sundays ago. It was uh, October 15th. And, uh, um, God began, Amy had prayed a prophetic, it's not prayed, played a prophetic word from Emma Stark that we listened to. And something began to shift in me as I heard that prophetic word from Emma Stark. It was very fiery, very powerful. It was a global word involving the nations. And, um, from that moment, her prophetic unction started stirring something in me and uh, Amy turned off the recording and I just began to pray in tongues. I drove for a few miles praying in tongues and just, and all of a sudden I realized, oh, the Lord's in the vehicle. The Lord got in Amy's um, SUV and no longer was I Jeff the husband. I was Jeff the recipient of something God started um, impressing on my mind. I will say that I saw it uh, but I saw it while also being fully conscious and aware that I was changing lanes, speeding up, stopping at red lights, all of that. So the reason why I tell you all of that is because people just have some weird understandings about what prophecy has to be. And I'm just going to tell you, you better loosen up. Um, God is a personhood and he can speak however he wants to speak. And we can't say if it doesn't look like this, sound like this, or fit into this template, it's not prophecy. All I'm telling you is I was driving to church and the presence of the Lord started gripping me. And the whole thing lasted probably three or four minutes. And what I saw was an internal image. These things were in my mind and my spirit, even as I'm driving. And this is what he showed me. Um, immediately standing before me was a bride and it was her wedding day, but her dress was not white. I saw instantly that it was red, white, and blue. And I noticed that, oh, she's wrapped in a wedding dress made of the stars and the stripes, the American flag. And the thing that really struck me after noticing the dress is that her, she had very long, dark hair. It was incredibly thick and it covered her entire face. So she looked like a normal woman in a American flag wedding dress. I couldn't see her face because her hair, which was actually, she was actually very nice, pretty hair, but it was very, very thick and it was very, very long. And, um, it actually gave her a little bit. The whole look was it, it put me off a little bit because in one sense there was some beauty to it, but in another sense, her dress was not a white wedding dress, but I knew it was a wedding dress. It was an American flag. And then the fact that her hair covered her face, it unsettled me a little bit, to be honest with you. And so instantly, I knew that what I was looking at was the American church, the American bride. Now, there's only one bride of Christ, but this was clearly the Lord speaking to me about the church, the bride in America. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as I'm, I'm seeing her, I heard the Lord say, I'm going to cut her hair. 
That's all he said. Not at that point, that's all he said. I'm going to cut her hair. And instantly, the verse from 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen, 15 um, popped into my mind. And I'm going to read that verse to you because it, <clears throat> excuse me, got a little frog in my throat. Um, it, it pertains to what I was seeing. Um, the verse in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 15 says, if a woman has long hair, it is her glory for her hair is given to her for a covering. So the long hair and the little open vision that I was having, I knew instantly <clears throat> that it was the Lord connecting what I was seeing to the glory of the American church. And I knew also instantly it wasn't the glory to God from the American church, but it was the glory of the American bride. And the Lord said, I'm going to cut her hair. So there was a heaviness in that moment because I knew instantly what he was going to do, but I didn't know why he was going to do it. I asked the Lord, like in, the, in this whole thing, I never said it out loud. I was praying in tongues as I was seeing this. And I asked the Lord, why are you going to cut the glory of the bride? And instantly I heard the answer. And these are all internal for you that are new to prophetic, you know, moves or moments. This is all internal. Amy was not aware that this was happening. And I asked the Lord, why, why are you going to cut the glory? Why are you going to cut her hair? And he said, because I can no longer see her face and she can't see mine. Her hair's grown so thick and long that it obscures her face from my own. And then he said again, I'm going to cut her hair. And let me pause here for a minute because this is, this is hard to hear um, for many because I'm not being vague here. What I heard the Lord saying is the beautiful bride, his bride in America, her own glory has grown and it obscures her ability to see the Lord and the Lord can't have face-to-face communion with his bride. And so the only choice is to cut off or remove what has gotten in between him and her. So the Lord was telling me the American church has allowed her own glory to grow, that it's come between her and her God. And the only answer is for him to remove it. Now, the next thing I saw, and again, all of this is happening as I'm praying in the spirit, as I'm driving down 316, heading from Lawrenceville to Bethlehem to go to church with my beautiful wife sitting next to me. And the next thing that I saw in this prophetic kind of open door was that same woman was standing there and her head was nearly shaved. I could see her face and it was beautiful. Her face was beautiful, but her hair was butchered. It wasn't like a neat, nice, symmetrical shaved head. It was like shaved, almost like it was cut with a rock. I mean, there was no symmetry to it. There were places where the hair was still long, but there were other places where it was patched out and it was bald. There were other places that were short. But the main thing that I knew is that the hair was no longer obscuring her face. And even with this bad haircut, she was smiling. And she was also no longer in the American flag wedding dress. She was clothed in a white wedding dress. And honestly, the only thing that was amiss was her hair, her glory. 
And so the whole thing wrapped up with the Lord saying to me, I will grow her hair back and it will never block her face from mine again. I'll grow her hair back in the place of prayer, worship, and intercession. Her glory will be imparted to her as she prioritizes my glory. And as soon as that thing flashed before my eyes, it then faded. And honestly, um, I was stirred. There was some sobering aspects. And when I you know, processed all of this, again, a very short amount of time, I had a lot of, a little bit of a roller coaster. It was when I, I was kind of taken aback when I first saw her face covered, it was eerie. It just wasn't awesome to look at. And she was in the American flag dress. And then I heard the Lord just say one sentence, I'm going to cut her hair. And I knew what that meant. So I felt grief. And maybe based on the fulfillment of what the whole thing played out to be, maybe I shouldn't have been grieved, but I was because I knew it meant a shaking coming to the church that some of the things that are out front and prominent that are cosmetic spiritual beauty on the American bride are going to be removed because the Lord wants intimacy. And so I know that that doesn't happen casually. And as a matter of fact, the fact that her hair was not, it wasn't styled. It was shorn. It was cut. And in places it was still long and glorious, but the overall look was, oh my goodness, something has happened to her. And yet then my, my, my spirit rose when I saw that she was smiling. She had a terribly, terrible loss of her glory, but she was smiling. And I believe that was because she could see her groom. She could see her Lord. And then the end of it was excitement because the Lord said, I'll grow her hair back. And I felt the Lord was saying, I will return appropriate glory. It'll be a reflected glory. The church has no glory of her own at this point. It's all a reflected glory. Just like the moon shines with borrowed light. The moon has no light of its own. It borrows light from the sun. It reflects the light of the sun. And that's the way the bride is. We reflect the glory of the Lord. We will have glory. God will give us eternal glory in you know the realm, the heavenly realm when we're there. But um, right now we shine with barred light and it's, it's going to return. And God said, I'm going to grow her hair back, but it's going to be in the place of prayer, intercession, and worship. And of course, that's what happens when a church is afflicted when a church is troubled or the church Christians in any place where there is affliction and trouble, the remnant, the true remnant that's not living for her own glory will reflect, reflect greater glory from God. And in this sense, the place of prayer and intercession, that's what happens, man, when uh, trouble hits and the fires come could be persecution. It will be eventually, but this could be clearly associated with what I was seeing that the Lord's going to shake us guys. Sorry if that's like a downer to you, but if our face is obscuring the face of God, now I want you to think about this. If a person's hair is so long in the natural that they can cover their face with it, then what are they staring at? They're looking at their own hair. Their ability to see beyond it is obscured because it covers their eyes. And if the church is staring at her own glory, if the church is obscured from seeing anything beyond her own glory, then we need a heavenly haircut. We need a shaving. We need the Lord to come in and remove that which has gotten in our attention. 
We're not meant to stare at our own glory. We're not to be obscured from his glory by our glory. It's not supposed to be about us. It's not supposed to be about the wealth of the church. It's not supposed to be about the power of the church. I'm not against wealth and power in the appropriate sense, but it's never supposed to be what we're staring at. The beauty, the buildings we build, the influence we have in social media or hard media, uh, what we say about ourselves, strutting around. I mean, the church has gotten real good at fighting. You know, the Baptists fight with the Baptists, and then the Pentecostals fight with other Pentecostals. Everybody fights the Catholics, and you may not like this, but there are some born-again Catholics. In spite of the Catholic system, there's some born-again Catholics. You know, people are making fun of the Methodists for being flaky, and then you've got the Presbyterians and the frozen chosen that people call them, and I'm thinking to myself, that's the church being impressed with her own glory and refusing to bow before the glory of the Lord, and we need our head shaved. We're staring at our own glory and we're losing the glory of God. So I release that word and I don't know that there's really an action item associated with it. Like one of the things that's frustrated me over the years with prophetic ministry is that because God's wired me to be a person of action, I always want to do something with what I hear from the Lord. If somebody prophesies over me, my, my, my instinct is what do I do with that? And what I've learned is a lot of prophetic ministry that comes to me and any that comes through me most of the time. Um, it's just the Lord saying, hey, this is what I'm telling you about me. This is what I'm telling about you. And this is what I'm going to do. And yes, there are times where there's action items attached to it. But I don't think there's an action item on this one except for you as an individual believer. Maybe cut your own hair. Maybe quit looking at your own glory. Maybe... Ask God to trace down if there's any pride. Why don't we cut our hair so he doesn't have to? I don't think it's escapable for the church abroad in America. But I do believe individuals, we can humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time. We can refuse to be impressed with ourselves. We can, without coming into a spirit of orphanhood, we can recognize what we are apart from Jesus and therefore, be grateful instead of proud. And maybe we can bless other people instead of competing with them. Maybe if you're a spiritual leader, you'll be just as happy when somebody finds their place at uh, somebody else's church and not yours, not the one you lead. M maybe we can trust God to work his glory in our children in ways that is different than God worked his glory in us. Maybe our kids don't have to do it the way we did as long as they are pursuing the Lord. Maybe your pastor doesn't need to be compared to the rock star pastor that looks awesome, sounds awesome, and has all of the perks of a ministry that knows how to make him look glorious. Maybe your pastor is the hardworking pastor that dives into the word and takes care of the flock and he's not impressive. Maybe you should cut your hair so you can stare into the face of the Lord and find out what the Lord believes about that man or that woman that's helping you in your journey with Jesus. I don't know. And so I release that and I submit it to you, but I'm going to promise you something. When I got out of the, the vehicle, I was still praying in the spirit. And Amy, I told Amy, I said, I'm getting downloads from the Lord. I'm getting downloads. And I said, I got to get inside and write it down. And so I got in, I pulled out my iPad. I 
wrote some of the things that I just shared with you in a file. And Amy said, this is a few weeks ago, Amy said, are you going to tell me what it is? And I said, I want to make sure it's the Lord's word for others and not just his word for me. So I sat on it for a couple of weeks and um, I feel like the spark has become a flame. That's a rule for me when I get prophetic stuff. I don't feel any compulsion to have to release the prophetic thing I get from God as soon as I get it. It always begins as a spark and I wait until it becomes a flame before I spread it. And so this is something I want you to consider. I want you to prepare for. I want you to recognize that he said the hair grows back in a beautiful way in the place of intercession and worship and prayer. And guys, that's not just words. I think everybody knows Christians should pray, but what are you doing? Churches need to have corporate prayer meetings. Like it can't be six people on a Saturday at 10 a.m. and mostly about the coffee they're drinking and somebody's, you know, relative that's struggling with a runny nose. I don't mean to demean praying for the sick, but that's not the kind of prayer meeting I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting in the presence of God until he appears, until his presence manifests. He's omnipresent, but that's not the same thing as his presiding presence. We need the presiding presence of God, and he has not obligated himself to show up on our 15-minute timetable at 8 o'clock in the morning. And so churches need corporate prayer meetings. If you're part of a church that doesn't have a corporate weekly gathering, at least one, pray and ask the Lord how he can use you in beginning one. It's great if three people show up. You got to start somewhere. And sometimes we have to pray with the same three people for six months and then a fourth one comes. And then six months later, it's 10. And maybe it grows to 30 or 60 or 100 or 200. But the church will be getting on her knees again. And the American flag draped church, oh, idolatry. I love my country. I don't want to live anywhere else. I'm grateful for being American. Don't wrap the bride of Christ in American flags. It's an insult to the groom. The bride will be dressed in white. Purity set apart for the Lord himself. And he's not going to receive a bride whose primary adornment is nationalism. We have to be prophetic people. We have to be people of the word. We have to be people of prayer. We have to be people of love, agape. And we have to be people that are willing for God to shave off the obscuring glory. It's our own glory. We have to be willing for him to do that. When he does, we'll be smiling in his face again. Chew on it. Pray about it. Rehearse it in your heart. If you get any revelation on it, hit me up. Jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Would love to hear your thoughts about it. As for today, I got to fly. Blessings. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges, which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace, 
and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com. 